the Benefits Corner podcast. Thanks for joining us. With each episode, we'll be speaking with business owners, thought leaders, and top performers. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information as it relates to employee benefits, Canadian healthcare, and running a business. Now, we should say up front that the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those shared by the Benefits Corner nor its host. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Today's show is brought to you by Aria Benefits, modern advisors backed by experience and technology. Now here's your host, Robin Bailey. Welcome back to the Benefits Corner podcast. By overwhelming demand, we have employment and labor lawyer Rich Appia back on the show today. If you happen to miss his bio last time, make sure you go back to episode one in here. But suffice it to say, Rich is very accomplished. Rich, great to see you again. Great to see you again, Robin. I've been listening to your your podcast, and I'm I'm excited to be back again. You're definitely adding a lot of value to the to the listeners out there, and I'm a, I'm really happy to be a part of that. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, always always great to see you. So, Rich, back in episode nine, I was speaking with James Guest of Sun Life, and we were talking about covering medical cannabis under an employee benefits program. And that particular podcast, we've received a lot of feedback from listeners, uh, particularly business owners, asking me to do a show on cannabis in the workplace, as a lot of employers are wondering how it impacts their business with cannabis being legalized. So Rich, this is a big topic to dive into on the podcast, so I thought we could break our discussion into a few categories. From an employer's perspective, you know, maybe we could look at concerns, accountabilities, and considerations. Sure. So let's start with concerns. What's an employer looking at here? The first concern relates to health and safety. All employers have an obligation under Ontario's Occupational Health and Safety Act to ensure that their employees work safely. And that obligation extends to office settings, factories, construction sites, anywhere where work is being performed. In that context, an employer's first concern from a legal perspective should be to ensure that its employees are fit to work so that they're not a danger to themselves or their colleagues. Insofar as cannabis use is concerned, the danger we're talking about relates to impairment. So a key question will be whether users are so impaired so as to place their own safety or other safety at risk. Will they be able to operate the machine they're responsible for or the forklift that they drive? Will supervisors be able to properly monitor workplace hazards? Safety is a big issue here. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Any other concerns? Absolutely. Many employers who I've uh, spoken to are obviously worried about workplace performance. Uh, They're concerned that workplace cannabis use might impair an employee's ability to do what he or she was hired to do. So their employees, rather, may not occupy safety-sensitive positions, but those employees may be responsible for, let's say, sales meetings. Mm. Will sales staff be able to function in front of clients? Will my associates or law clerks be able to provide sound legal advice or hit key deadlines? Uh, Robin, in your area of of work, your clients might worry that an intoxicated team member will screw up on benefits administration. And when we last met, I talked about employer liability when it comes to mishandled benefits administration. So workplace impairment can be costly on a number of fronts. 
In either case, when talking about workplace safety or workplace performance, employers are going to want to ensure that they're restricting the use of cannabis and minimizing impairment during working hours. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, and, and I mean, specific to my industry, the Employee Benefits Administration on our end is, is quite complex, and there's a lot of important tasks and decisions that are being made daily. So I would, I would hazard a guess our uh, client's expectation is that those tasks are being performed uh, by someone who is not impaired, and uh, certainly we are taking steps to make sure that we're uh, we're supporting that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. yeah, no, very good. What are some key accountabilities, Rich, that employers have to be aware of when addressing these concerns? The key area of accountability for employers where workplace uh, cannabis use is concerned arises from the Human Rights Code. So this is legislation that protects employees from workplace discrimination on a number of grounds and requires employers to accommodate employees based on those grounds to the point of undue hardship. And I'll get into that, uh, that test in a moment. Okay, great. The relevant ground that I'm talking about here is disability. Under the code, employers may not discriminate against disabled employees and employers must accommodate disabled employees to the point of undue hardship. So to make this a little bit more clear, let's talk about these obligations in, in practical terms. So I'll give you an example that really highlights the accountability here and the complexity of the problem. Let's say that you have an employee who's a forklift driver. You receive a report that he collided into a skid of product, causing $25,000 in damage to the product and possibly damage to the forklift. Uh, the two issues I mentioned earlier, uh, workplace safety and workplace performance, are now engaged. You verified that the event occurred and you want to fire him. During your discussion with him, he admits that he was high on cannabis while driving, but he also says that the cannabis was prescribed by a doctor mm. to relieve him from chronic pain. You followed up with the doctor, and the doctor has confirmed that this employee needs to use cannabis for pain relief. In most circumstances, unless you've dealt with this issue with this employee in the past, his medical disclosure will prevent you from firing him. The guy's disabled and he's using cannabis to treat his disability. The Human Rights Code affords him some protection against uh, termination and in many cases against discipline. In this circumstance, the Human Rights Code would require you to do two things. Number one, conduct a good faith assessment of what kind of accommodation would be appropriate given his medical needs. And number two, determine whether that accommodation is available in his workplace. Mm, okay, interesting. So what does that involve? Sure, in, in practical terms, you and he should first discuss whether cannabis is the only means of treatment for him um, or his pain. Um, you should talk about the times of day he needs to use cannabis, the duration of his impairment, the extent of impairment he suffers from after he's used cannabis, um, whether other less safety-sensitive work is available to him during the, uh, those periods of his impairment, whether he'd be able to perform that work if he is impaired, whether he needs time off while impaired, and if so, how much. There's a number of different questions that you should talk to him about. And much of the dialogue will necessitate contact with his doctor. After you've obtained the relevant information, your obligation as an employer will be to determine whether accommodation is available and to accommodate to the point of undue hardship. Now, this is a term I've used before. What constitutes undue hardship varies case by case, but employers should know that it's an exceptionally high burden for them to meet. 
So as you engage in the accommodation process, remember to put together a written accommodation plan that complies with AOTA. Um, most employers know about AOTA, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, and ensure that the plan is subject to regular reviews. But one thing I do want to be clear about, Robin, the duty to accommodate shouldn't trump good faith concerns for workplace safety. In other words, the duty to accommodate does not require employers to put employees in danger. Okay, yeah, good point. Moving on to considerations, let's talk about an action plan for employers. So there are a number of different things that employers should be doing or thinking about as cannabis uh, becomes uh, legal in our, in, our, in our country. So the first is, if they haven't already, um, employers should develop workplace policies that addresses the two concerns I mentioned before, workplace safety and workplace performance. This is particularly important for employers of workers in safety-sensitive positions, uh, technical roles or roles where presentation may matter. Um, having said that, employers should also take into consideration non-safety-sensitive roles and remind all employees that the legalization of cannabis does not give them license to attend to work while impaired. Okay. If you're an employer who already has in place a drug and alcohol policy, this would be a good time to update what you already have to ensure that the policy addresses the de this developing issue. Second consideration or a second step that uh, employers should be thinking about uh, beyond simply updating their policies, they should ensure that they are offering training to frontline employees and to supervisors. All employees should be made aware of the contents of any policy put in place and supervisors should be trained to understand their obligations both under the Occupational Health and Safety Act as well as the Human Rights Code. Uh, number three, while it's okay for employers to adopt a hardline policy with respect to workplace use, employers should give some thought to developing a medical cannabis accommodation strategy so that they're not caught off guard if they're faced with a request for accommodation. On that point, I'm simply suggesting that employers consider the options that are available to them or the steps that they're required to take when considering such a request. I've covered some of uh, the available options already and the required steps, but there are others. Okay. Fourthly, and somewhat relatedly, employers of workers in safety-sensitive positions should give some thought to the circumstances in which it would be appropriate to request drug testing. Uh, that subject alone can be covered in an entire podcast, but employers should know that there are instances when it's okay to request a drug test and many instances when it's not okay. Um, circumstances would really dictate the appropriate response. And I would assume that for any of our, our listeners or myself as a business owner, that would be a discussion if, if we're at all unsure to talk to someone like yourself. Absolutely. There are human rights concerns involved and in unionized workplaces, there's a, a lot of case law around this uh, and a lot of concern for workplace privacy, both in unionized environments and outside of those environments. So absolutely, if, if drug testing becomes a, a consideration that an employer is thinking about, then they should consult with the council. Yeah, definitely. Rich, I wanted to touch on the drug and alcohol policy for a moment. Some clients will be creating a policy for the first time. Uh, for others, it'll be, you know, the existing one will be updated. Can you talk to me about some considerations here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the policy simply stated should clearly set out uh, the employer's expectation of workplace safety and performance. And it's entirely acceptable for the policy to state that impairment at work is prohibited. 
I came across a human rights tribunal decision that was recently released in which the tribunal held that a broad zero tolerance policy is acceptable, uh, provided that in practice, an employer takes a balanced approach to addressing workplace impairment. So when tackling an issue of impairment, um, an employer should avoid taking a one size fits all approach. Okay. I think we've covered a lot in uh, in a short period of time, so I, I hope this is helpful uh, for our listeners. Any key takeaways we can pass on our listeners who are running a business? Sure. So I'll summarize some of the things that I've, I've mentioned uh, earlier and then add a couple other points. Okay, great. Um, the first is that employers are not expected or required to compromise workplace safety when accommodating employees who use cannabis for medical purposes. Another thought um, that employers should keep in mind, they're not required to accommodate cannabis use if it's unrelated to a disability. Um, Good point. Absolutely. So if an employee uh, comes to your attention and you've discovered that they've been using cannabis at work and they've been impaired, if there's no medical reason or underlying medical concern there, you as an employer are permitted to engage in some disciplinary action. On that point, though, employers should remember that addictions are considered disabilities under the Human Rights Code, and addictions must be accommodated to the point of undue hardship. But as I mentioned, in circumstances unrelated to disability, employers would be well within their rights to take disciplinary action against those found to attend to work while impaired. A third thought um, that I had in response to your question is that if an employee claims that his or her impairment during working hours is the result of medical use and isn't avoidable, employers are entitled to ask for medical evidence to confirm that. I mentioned a moment ago uh, some of the questions that an employer should be asking their employees about and uh, potentially doctors about. So employers can and should obtain such evidence and other information uh, from the employee's doctor to formulate an accommodation plan, but they should be careful not to ask for more information than is reasonably necessary to understand the employee's medical restrictions and accommodation needs. Uh, And then lastly, the cannabis industry is is moving quickly and regulations are constantly being updated. So employers should be sure to monitor the legislation uh, that's being rolled out um, because it may change in the future and it'll be important for employers to know what's happening in the industry. Rich, always, uh, always solid advice, and I always, I always love whether it's we're on the podcast or not, or whether we're just chatting afterwards. Sure, love having you on the show. Now, part of the reason we have the podcast is, you know, I've always believed success leaves clues, and we're sitting here, you know, you're you're coming on the podcast and you're talking about some some legal issues, but you're also a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you came from a from a larger firm, and you and you came out to hang your own shingle. So I was hoping you'd just share with us. What's the most important lesson you've learned over the last year or two? That's a great question, Robin. The most important lesson that I've learned in the last year is to appreciate the amount of work that I can get done and appreciate the extent to which I can accomplish things. So there are times when I'm feeling under the gun or feeling a little stressed because um, I'm feeling my plate is, is pretty full. And then as I look back at the week that I thought was incredibly busy or incredibly stressful, uh, I look back and I say, hey, I did that. I accomplished that. I, I hit all my, my goals. So I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is to keep in mind that I can accomplish a lot and small periods of time and certainly more than I thought I could. Yeah, and I would, I would echo your sentiment as well. I've, I found 
you know, life can get pretty busy, whether it's personal, whether it's business. Yeah. Um, and if you let things go in the way, it'll get you distracted from what you need to accomplish. And I find, you know, shutting the door at the office or turning off the, the email notification because you have to get a project done using little things like the Pomodoro technique where there's an app for you. You're working 25 minutes solid on a task and then sure. there's a five minute break. Sure. So I think you're right. I think we can accomplish more than we think we can yeah. as long as we're dedicated to making sure those distractions don't get in the way. Absolutely. So Rich, um, we said it in the first podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it again now. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so if, if anyone has questions or concerns about the advice that I've given uh, in this podcast, they can reach me by email. I'm at rich at appialaw.com. So that's uh, R-I-C-H at A-P-P-I-A-H law.com or anyone can reach me by phone at uh, 416-900-3715 awesome great as always to have you on okay everyone that's it for today's show really appreciate you listening i know you have a lot of choice out there when it comes to podcasts i love hearing that you're listening to ours any other ideas for a podcast just shoot them over to me at rbailey at rebenefits.ca or robin bailey on linkedin you know i'm always there and be sure to check out our website all podcasts get posted uh, up to the website www.reabenefits.ca and we'll see you next time on the Benefits Corner.